Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Rowing Chat interview podcast. My name is Rebecca Caro, and I'm the host of the Rowing Chat podcast itself, and also the instigator of the Rowing Chat network of podcasts. If you'd like to become a podcaster, please get in touch. We'd love to have more voices and more shows on the network because, as we all know, the thing about rowing is there are so many different ways to talk about it and there are so many different aspects of the sport to talk about. Today, I'm going to be joined by Bert Koku and I will introduce him in a minute. But first, a word from our sponsors. The Speed Coach Summer Regatta Series from Nelson Kellerman now offers on the water racing using the uh, app. It allows you to race against rowers from all over the world, from wherever you are, lockdown permitting. There are showcase events named for and sponsored by regattas that we've lost this summer, but you can imagine yourself racing in Philadelphia on a steamy July day or just pushing past the barrier at Henley-upon-Thames. If you want to take part, this is what you need. A single and some sculling oars. At the moment, there are no team boat equipment. A speed coach GPS Model 2 with the training pack software and a registered account on the Link Logbook app. Row the defined distance within the regatta time frame. Use the speed coach workouts to make sure that you program the correct distance in and upload your session into the link logbook. You can row as many times as you want. Your fastest qualifying piece will be used for the leaderboard. And you join the regatta from the NK website. You can get full details on our sponsors page, rowing.chat forward slash sponsor. Our second sponsor is the Nuts and Bolts Guide to Rigging, which was known as the definitive book on modern rigging. It started as a spiral-bound affair and has become the authoritative book written by Mike Davenport. He takes you through rigging both sculling and sweet boats, equipment care, and what tools are the best to use, and how to gain speed through taking actions off the water. You can check out the Nuts and Bolts Guide to Rigging at maxrigging.com or on Amazon and take your rigging to the next level. Again, all the details uh, rowing.chat forward slash sponsors. And now I'm very pleased to welcome to the podcast for the first time, Bert Koku. Hello. How nice to have you here. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> nice to see you again. <laughs> so Bert, for the listeners who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about you and your personal background and journey through the wonderful sport of rowing? <laughs> Walking through my house, I thought, oh, where to start? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, uh, you are involved in that too, so somewhere you popped up. Um, oh, I started um, being involved in rowing after um, uh, when I was uh, 21, so late actually, for uh, even for Dutch students, it's late. Um, stopped field hockey playing, uh, one girl in a student house dragged me to the Bosbaan in Amsterdam and um, Actually, I, I liked the club there and uh, became a member and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, from there on, I did some uh, rowing uh, just on uh, club level, national level, and that's it. Started uh, coaching, uh, went well, uh, ended up with uh, women's senior A um, and spare parts for the women's aid, got involved in, uh, in elite level, um, ended up um, in... Uh, so it's during the 90s, then ended up in beginning of 2000 uh, with Duncan Holland, working with Duncan Holland and uh, as a development high performance coach in the Netherlands, ended up in a world championship uh, mm -hmm. races with women, mostly did women all, all the time, uh, scouting and, 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 and developing uh, women uh, and student rowers, uh, ended up with... Um, Again, a few under-23 world championships uh, in 2010 stopped, actually, for one and a half years, something like that. And then in 2012, my wife decided to, to go to Australia, and I, ended, I thought, well, I was always a, a geography teacher, so um, I thought, well, 
what I've did, what I've done in the Netherlands up till now. Uh, I don't know what's happening. I, I won't teach in Australia, so uh, let's see what happens. And I thought, well, I'll try to make a living out of being a rowing coach. Was re I did, I did okay in the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I don't like doing this, so I did okay. <laughs> uh, yeah horrible um and uh so i ended up with uh well digging in my network uh, i ended up with uh, working at melbourne uni boat club in melbourne and uh, helene worked in melbourne also and uh, well we we took the boys with us became um, a senior women coach and melbourne got involved with a lot of lightweights and some heavyweights um ended up with an under 23 lightweight pair at the World Championships for Australia mm -hmm. in 2016 and um, 2017, my wife decided to go back, and now I'm <laughs> so I jumped through 30 years of rowing in uh, three minutes. I think. Well, yeah, that's about it. And yeah. obviously, you follow her wherever she goes. Oh, I'm so loyal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, it's it's uh, <clears throat> it's um, it's what we decided. Um, um, when um, it's, it's common sense. As a, as a geography teacher and a own coach, you don't make lots of money. Money is not the most important thing, but yeah, you should have water out of the tap in the house and you, et cetera. So you should make a living. And uh, well, Helene is involved in, uh, in HR business and, uh, and uh, consultancy. So there's more money to make in that. So I always decided, well, let's support your career. And she supports my career in for what it is and uh, I enjoy it we are a good team so yeah yeah now I'd like um, to start by getting your insights into the similarities and differences between two really different but really yeah. strong rowing nations Australia and the Netherlands what do you remember of your first few months in Australia and what did you think about how different or similar it was? Uh, you didn't send me that question. <laughs> um, the first few months, I thought, well, see what happens. Um, after my chat with Alex Inchwood, uh, was at that time head coach at uh, Melbourne Uni Boat Club, I, uh, he, uh, he said, well, yeah, listen, um, um, I had to go and uh, so I ended up with him on a bike along the Yara. And uh, after 40 minutes, he said, yeah, and I have to go to a meeting. So he handed over the megaphone to me and I thought, <laughs> what to do? I thought, oh, crap, what to do now? And two guys were looking up and said, oh, yeah, oh, who are you? Well, I have to coach you guys. <clears throat> and I thought, well, I just, as what I mentioned maybe before is that uh, um, well you know uh, I don't like I don't like big changes at one specific moment I said well okay do what you ever do um, we rode down uh, up to Melbourne Uni again and let's have a chat about what I see and I know what you feel and that's it mm -hmm. and I slowly that's that's the way I do so I slowly started making changes and getting involved with the girls <coughs> you see that there is uh, huge school rowing uh, culture in australia as in as in the uk mm. probably but i know in in melbourne it's big um so i, I a lot of girls the top end of the of, of the private schools ended up at melbourne uni at that time <clears throat> and um ah oh, different styles i thought oh god no um as my thought of rowing technique uh, and also at that time, maybe um, um, my, I don't know, lack of um, vocabulary in English. I was a bit blunt, straightforward as Dutch can be, but then even more worse. <laughs> and I know I made girls cry. And okay. Geez, yeah, that's, but um, at the end, um, they loved it, they accepted it, they went faster, they won a lot of races. We became reasonably good friends, as always as coach and rower, never get closer than that. And um, 
Actually, it was really good, and we we laughed we laughed about it uh, afterwards. Do you remember under that bridge you mentioned something to me, and you saw my face? And I said, "Yeah, I saw your face, but I saw I saw big sunglasses, set of sunglasses, and I, I knew your face was moving." Like I thought, "Oh, <laughs> oh no, she's gonna burst into yeah. tears!" Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, but s slowly I implemented my technique and my thoughts of her own technique, and. Um, uh, it worked out well, and the girls started to believe in it because they won races, a lot of races. Uh, and uh, oh yeah, you 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 saw my my uh, travels with Annabelle Eaton back from Sydney to uh, to Melbourne with a with a with a backpack full of medals, and uh, yeah, and <clears throat> um, what did I? It's being. I always think okay. Um, in the Netherlands, you, you end up with um, sort of uh, oh, reasonably okay athletes, and you improve them, and they get better, and they win a bit, and they do well, and they get invited in the program. And uh, they go to Worlds, they go, they ended up at the Olympics and stuff, and you think, oh yeah, well, oh yeah, things happen. Because you, you jump on a train, and the train goes fast, and fast, and fast, and you're still part of that train, and it goes fast, and you think, oh, that's it. And you jump off the train, because you go to Australia. Yeah, I think, okay, that's it. And Helene said, well, yeah, look, hang on, you're just coaching now for quite a few years, so it isn't a coincidence that crews feel, that girls and boys feel well, go fast, and uh, end up in the national program and go further. So it isn't a coincidence anymore, so why, why not make, give it a go and really make a living out of it? So, and I, with that thought, I thought, yeah, maybe she's right. She's always right, of course, but uh, maybe, she, <laughs> maybe she's right. And I thought, well, yeah. And uh, getting involved, I got involved uh, after three months. Bill Tate uh, was at that time head of the Victorian Institute of Sport Rowing. He invited me to do a lightweight court for uh, the interstate races in Australia. And uh, I didn't have a clue what interstate races were. I, it was so I did, and I it was. Bill told me it was quite big. It was really important that states are racing each other. I think okay, fine. Um, and the uh, so um, I got involved in actually after three months already. So I thought okay. And Bill, because the VIS has is bay with boats at Melbourne Uni. So Bill saw me walking out of the sheds with the girls coaching, jetting, uh, pre-chats, uh, uh, after races, oh, sorry, after training, having a chat. So maybe thought, well, uh, <clears throat> worthwhile getting that guy involved. And of course, Melbourne Uni had a lot of lightweights. And uh, so it ended up in 2013, 14, 15, uh, no, sorry, 14, 15, 16, and 17, I ended up doing the lightweight court for the interstate for Victoria. Um, <clears throat> first year, fifth, that second year, fourth, and then uh, we ended up with the gold in 2016, and, uh, and the girls were disappointed with the silver in 2017. And I went for I went to uh, the under-23 worlds with Australia. In 2016, it was the most successful year I had there it was in, actually we because we moved back in uh, uh, fall 2017 to the Netherlands so 2016 was a hit mm -hmm. everything the girls started they won absolutely everything and um, so now talking about you know, three years you haven't mentioned it but talking about three years I saw your question uh, is a, is a program successful in three years yes it might be successful in three years. It might be um, based on um, based on uh, a lot of things. Um, we might mention that in this uh, interview. Um, but yes, yes, you can be successful in three years. So, um, out yeah. of that quad, <coughs> yeah. one vote. But how yeah. many athletes were in that crew over that four-year period? Were there eight, nine different girls? A few different girls, yeah. I had um, two girls were always in there. Yep. Um, 
and um, I'm politically, I had to move around a bit in the first few years, I think. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> thinking of it, I, uh, yeah, and, 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 and um, freshing up my memory, I had to, uh, oof, hard to say. I had to select, I have not, I didn't have had to select a few girls, but I, politely, not, sometimes you have to get the train going and do what you have at that moment. Um, you do. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and you never, you always make friends and you have enemies at the end, but not really enemies, but people are disappointed. Yeah. So, let's go back. Yeah. To when you first arrived, you mentioned that there were stylistic differences. Yeah. In that there were lots of different rowing techniques. What were the main differences that you noticed? And I'm guessing this was partly because the athletes came from a lot of different schools, yeah. or was it just that actually the national style of Australia is different from the national style? Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. it's uh, based on hard work in Australia. Really full on hard work. Um, <clears throat> stick to the program, stick to the people, to the coaches who tell you, who give you the information. Um, well, on the level I got involved, more than in the Netherlands, a lot of measurements, uh, pitch measurements, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, um, angles, uh, all electronics involved and uh, got analyzed and um, got feedback. Uh, you gave feedback to the rowers more than I ever had in the Netherlands uh, mm. and well yeah it works but um, in the Netherlands we don't do it that much but I think it's really gone well it's okay we're doing well there again also um, but yeah so there's a lot of money available a lot of energy a lot of really supportive people more sort of way more than we have here in the Netherlands. I think uh, I remember that uh, <clears throat> um, the VIS is, uh, was, and I don't know now, but with Noel Donaldson uh, running the, the show, or absolutely the same. Uh, I think uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Institute of Sports in every state there, they are really involved in what happens at the clubs. Mm. And that's that's really supportive and really, uh, it, yeah, it gives you a good feeling. Um, and that's what's not happening here. So that's absolutely that's what I find disappointing. But yeah, well, that's what it is. Uh, and there's a you can't change that. I sure. feel because that's then you get into politics. And I don't want to get involved in that horrible, use nice words stuff again. No, that's not my Australia mind. pioneered the uh, development of sports institutes as a pathway for a lot yeah. of different sports um, and to enable athletes to transition from school and university up towards regional yeah. and then and then national selection. And obviously you were it was lucky, it was very fortunate having Bill Tate so close by in your building. Jeez, yeah, absolutely. Tell us a bit about what an institute offers to a club in Australia. Um, <clears throat> they offer you, um, well, this is what I felt, they offer you the support to um, the athletes who are based on power, measured on an erg, mm -hmm. doing really well. Um, they they get involved in... Um, uh, that's sort of, sort of less, more or less, sorry, happening here a bit. Uh, but they, they get you, they, then you get involved in um, the, the, the local institute of sport. You do your uh, strength and condition training there. Uh, they help you out with specific, um, focused on the athlete, a strength and conditioning program. Um, uh, they really, and that's what, I, that's what not happening down here. They're really, uh, a lot of times, almost once a week, they go down on the, in a tinny or on the bike. Mm -hmm. uh, they coach me. Uh, they coach the crew or whatever. So that's what I did. Uh, so it's not higher. Uh, 
it's not a uh, it's not um, sitting there in a tower looking down say come on guys uh, push harder pull harder and uh, we'll 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 see what's happening no they, they walk down and they say hey like, th this is who I am how can I help you and uh, so they offer you a lot of um, uh, um, support by specialists strength and conditioning training uh, trainers uh, they help you writing a program uh, they help you uh, analyzing a rowing stroke with with video with footage uh, with uh, with the uh, pressure gates uh, that's what they all offer <clears throat> uh, it opens my eyes uh, a lot I think in the sense of whoa this is really cool how nice is this it's just a warm blanket um, and <laughs> on the other hand um, it showed that without this and that's always nice that without because getting to that level you don't have that uh, yeah. help and so so that's also fine that without without the help i was able to improve the rowers this much that they got picked out yeah and at the end uh, it is fine-tuning and that um, uh, amount of technical stuff you get uh, um, support with supported with by the VIS that helps you to fine-tune a crew but overall until there I thought well actually yeah without all these measurements oh yeah it's going really well actually yeah and that's fine it gives, you a, it gives you a confident feeling oh yeah it's good it's good what we do so keep going now here and there uh, slight change but yeah yeah like the last five percent yes 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 losing by 0 0.5 or winning by by 1.2 yeah yeah maybe okay. a race yeah and that matters and uh oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And losing and losing uh look uh i just mentioned uh one of the guys i was biking on the boss line yesterday and i said to one guy i said do you remember the eight yeah 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 he said yeah yeah i remember the eight in those days, he was a lightweight guy. I was coaching at the club in Netherlands. We had two. He was in a lightweight uh, four, and I had a lightweight four with a friend of mine. And we put those two clubs in one and eight, and we raced on a national regatta, and um, we beaten the national lightweight eight. Then, ah, oh, so, uh, so yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, but. Up till there, so that was the final race. We raced them, but also we uh, on that Saturday we we raced them also, and we came in second, just half a canvas behind that national eight. I thought, mm. and so I'm so I saw that guy yesterday. I said, I said, do you remember the eight? I said, hey, how are you going? I said, yeah. Do you remember the eight? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember the eight. So and it was not the winning race, but it was the race that we became second, just getting so close to the national eight, and that gave them the push. For the next day, uh, we slaughter them, we kill them. That half canvas, they don't get it tomorrow. So, but so winning is not always the big thing. It it is very nice, but becoming second was was one of the best races. Yeah, was Isn't maybe. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've and, been uh, watching. There's yeah. a there's a Netflix documentary on at the moment about the Chicago Bulls, the basketball team, which Michael oh, yeah. Jordan, yeah. 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 Jordan and their hugely successful run of um, uh, championship wins. They did yeah. three in a row, and it's been a very interesting documentary because it splices together footage that was shot with them in the years '97, '94 through '97, and a lot. Archive, you know, uh, shots of games and things, and interviews with coaches and journalists and, and agents and the athletes themselves. And of course, in basketball, you will you won't just do one match against another team. You'll have a mini series. You'll maybe do four. It's usually odd numbers, five or seven games. Yeah. And one of the most interesting yeah. things about what motivated, particularly Michael Jordan, who is the sort of athlete who leads from the front. He pulls the team yeah. behind him. It's a very, very strong work yeah. ethic, but he also has a massive yeah. competitive streak. And they told the story of a guy from the opposing team who they had yeah. won their first match against them. And this guy, as they were walking off the court, touched him on the arm and said, 
good game, Michael. And that was enough to fire him up so that the next game it was like, death, you guys are going down and you're going down hard and you, you're not going to get near the basket. Yeah, well, yeah. So, so um, <clears throat> I think, um, yeah. So it's not, it's not because, oh, come on, it's not about, uh, it is, it's not about the winning. It's about your best performance. Correct. And if winning is involved, that's very nice. But you train so much, so you can't just, yeah, you can't rely on those five, maybe six races a year where 20 crews are competing, relying on, oh, yeah, I might win. No, 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 that's not the goal. It should be your best, absolutely best race. And if you nail it, you've done a good job. It's what I mentioned. Uh, 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 I had a chat with um, Spare, uh, spare um, Pair for the under 23 women's age yesterday at the Bosman. And one of the girls said, Oh, I don't know. So, yeah, well, look, it's, um, I said, I don't know what. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know if we, if we do well. So, well, honestly, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't know. I do know we do well now. Yep. I do see times. Look, um, it's not you're under 23. You're out of a novice eight. One of the girls, one one other girl wrote just at an open club, so not a student club in the Netherlands. So look, your technique is well. You're improving. Times are getting better. And I don't know if you win. Maybe you become last, you become fourth. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. But do start fast. It's not about being the first at the 100-meter line, but it's about being there in the race at the 250-meter line and on. Mm -hmm. If you hear the finish line, you hear the bleep, and you look back to your pair partner and think, oh, first you have to vomit a bit, and you, hang, and you look back again and think, this was absolutely a good race. Fine. Mm -hmm. Be happy. Yeah. And that's it. And if it's, I don't care if you get eighth, not in the final, or uh, third and having a medal, hooray, yeah. I don't know. But so you can't rely on having uh, uh, f uh, 50 weeks of... Uh, um, 50 weeks of uh, 10 training sessions a, uh, a week on winning, that's, that can't be the goal. It is involved, but a good race, that's the goal. Yeah, it's not really rocket science, but boring info probably to a lot of people, but it is. But for a young athlete who you say has just come through from a novice program, it is probably the first time they've been told that. And there are so many... Yeah process goals that need to be taught so that people yeah. understand there's a pathway there's a development that your yeah. development may stall you may go back a few steps you then may advance a few steps that this is yeah. completely normal i no one explained that to me and yeah. i learned it later on when i was one of the more experienced athletes in the group and i regret that i hadn't had that explained how do you develop an athlete a team a crew how do you pull them forwards yeah. how do you show them where they're going next because when i started i was a student rower i didn't row in high school and my yeah, goal uh, my ambition was to row to university and then Can you repeat the last sentence uh, when i started to row i was a student rower yeah and I yeah. had one goal, and that was to row for the university, to have light blue oars. And in my second year, I achieved that. And I thought, what next? And yeah. there was no one in that second year, which was actually 1986, when the World Championships were in Nottingham, which was a two-hour drive yeah. from my university town. No one said to us, you should go there. You should watch the best in the world. You know, they're here on your doorstep. You could you could drive there in, in a short time and, and go and see this. And no one said this would be a good thing to do. And it was so short-sighted. 
it, 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 it just reminds me of um, <clears throat> back to uh, the club where I started. And back, again, to the lightweight boys, uh, I just mentioned uh, uh, making a, a composite crew with the other clubs, with, uh, with the other club. But the, the, the lightweight straightforward we had, um, a friend of mine and I coaching the guys, we said, hang on. So within a week, there's the Holland Baker in Amsterdam. You're not racing there. Because, okay, that's the, yeah, it's elite level uh, straightforward. Mm -hmm. So you're just a club and time show. You're not racing there, fine, but it doesn't mean you have a whole weekend off. So we gave the, the boys, um, uh, we picked a few races they had to watch and had to analyze and had to tell us their thoughts about why specific crews went fast. So I do remember the boys sitting there at the Holland Baker <gasps> with paper and pen. Which, what's the next crew? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Analyzing the crew. And why not? Just watch good rowing. I just mentioned also to, uh, again, to the library, oh, sorry, to the under 23 pay, uh, just mentioned uh, at the Bosman. And they said, yeah, yeah, we watched, uh, we, we, we practiced some starts uh, last week. And uh, I said, oh, I, I'm getting there. And, um, and uh, they said, yeah, it's difficult, difficult to get from, uh, the starting and uh, the next 15 strokes into a rhythm where sustainable rhythm for the rest of the race. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's an issue. Yeah, that's a problem, but we'll solve it. We'll see. So what do you feel? And I went on and then they, they, they mentioned to me, yeah, but we watched good rowing. I said, okay, that's good. I said, just, just come on. Yeah, we watched. So what did you watch? Yeah, we watched the Kiwi pair. And even at a thousand meters, they were rowing half slide. I said, yeah. So that doesn't mean that you should roll half slide at a thousand meter, which you know, probably doesn't work. Oh, they said, so, yeah. So the question from me to you is, why did that crew go fast? Good question. I'm like, oh God, what am I doing here? But oh, it's so sweet and lovely. Um, <laughs> yeah. Eventually, oh. eventually they come to the right answer. So I said, oh yeah, yeah eventually, yeah, yeah. So I said, oh, oh look, I said, well, you should. Uh, I mentioned also in in years ago there was a uh, Cox Four heavyweight heavyweight man Cox Four was still a, a number on on a world championship. And do remember uh, an Italian four horrible moving. You see sitting on the seat everywhere going all all over the place, but they won. So because the blade work was good. What's happening in water is that's the most important thing. So, so if you see good rowing, that's really good. If you watch good rowing, that's really good. Analyze why that boat goes fast. What makes the boat go fast? Oh, yeah, I, that, that's not a phrase I invented, but someone else. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's your goal for the next time. So, and uh, again, then, because uh, um, when I, uh, in my coaching career, René um, Meinders, uh, a well-known, uh, one of the best coaches we ever had in the Netherlands, he finished off uh, uh, women's aids, men's aids with all the Olympic medals. So, um, <clears throat> and uh, I got a bit. Uh, sometimes I had a short chat with with Rene, and uh, and I was sort of nervous. Oh, yeah, they, they don't move that well, and it disturbs maybe it disturbs boat speed. And uh, he said, "Yeah, why?" I said, "Well, I think have you looked at the boat when it moved?" Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you see? I say, well, it just moves and keeps going. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, but why? Because there's a bit of irritation. You say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they move, the boys move, move all over, sorry, the girls move all over the place. Say, yeah. So he said, well, just look at the blade. Where does the blade go in? He said, well, the blade goes in there, takes 90 degrees, the blade goes out there. Does the blade get, stick, get stuck in the water? And the boat passes the blade. Say yes, it does. So he said, "I don't care how they move in the boat, even if they stand on their head on the seat during the recovery. As long as the blade goes in over there and 90 degrees angle gets out over there, and that's the goal." I think. Ah, okay. Well, that's really important. That's so important. So, at a club. Oh yeah. People start looking at 
so small specific details that don't care right now just get the blade in get it out yeah and if the move, boat moves left right left right something is wrong so analyze that what makes that what causes it but keep it simple i don't care if your head moves left all the time in a recovery as long as the boat stays level now oh yeah so as long as the boat stays level that's fine yeah details are fine but make the boat go fast uh, it's all depends on training hard and get the blade in push hard and one other and then you you might have a question i had one of those meetings with uh, an open club <laughs> sorry yeah um another another story could pops up with me now um but i'll stick to this one uh ah. one of the <laughs> yeah keep going oh, please interrupt if you think oh hey stop stop um so i had one of those meetings uh, about rowing technique and for what's worth and uh, <clears throat> showed the people uh, showed the, the audience um some footage <clears throat> and it was um a good club uh, a club in the sense of uh, youth and uh, non-students an open club not of older people and um had a small chat about technique and what to look at is what I just mentioned probably. And then one guy asked me, um, what do you, what's the thing you tell Rose most of the time? What's the main thing you tell them to do? And I thought, I said, just push harder and keep hanging. That's it. And he looked at me, that's it. So yeah, because if you push yeah. hard, you hang, and if you push hard, you have pressure on your foot stretcher. You push hard, you feel your, you have to hold on to the air while you pass the mood, uh, hold on to the oar. It's, so push hard and keep hanging, that's it. And I coached one of the, one of the, of the crews and the guy was biking with me. Yeah, yeah, and I see that you just saw the pressure, just, just maybe slipping off just in the draw a bit, I thought, well, okay, so that's where it goes wrong. So before that, because it's all going in circles in rowing, it's just boring. 250 times during a race, you do the same thing. Yep. So I thought, so just before that, something goes wrong. Yeah. So I thought, well, yeah, just too early in the drive, you saw the angle, or you saw the elbow uh, breaking. I thought, okay. Mm -hmm. So I said to the guy, do you see what happens? You see? No, yeah, yeah. So the elbow, I mentioned the elbow, and uh, I said, well, so what should I do? So what, what does it mean when the elbow breaks in the middle of the drive? And he couldn't answer the question. I think this is where you have to. So if people, if you talk about technique and you feel basic info is missing, uh, yeah, yeah, then you're done. So, so well, bending the elbow, it's, it's, a it's a natural thing because the rower loses pressure. So what are the main muscles? Well, we walk the whole day. So legs are obviously the main muscle group that's really important in rowing. And long shins, of course, that's another thing. Um, don't write it down now. No, I won't write <laughs> uh, So I said, so this is where we end up with how to solve breaking the elbow in the middle of the drive. Push harder, that's it. Kick the foot stretcher, hit it from catch, to finish and keep hanging on the outside arm. So that's what I told the rower. And slowly you saw it bending less, 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 and say harder, harder. And then, yeah, yeah, they kept hanging to, um, until just, of course, just before the finish, you have to break the elbow to have a constant drive. Yeah, but keep it simple, common sense, be able to explain and know what happens. If you don't know what happens, if you don't know why the elbow breaks in the middle of the drive, yeah, yeah, then, then, then you have an, uh, uh, an information issue uh, but yeah um, yeah simple things uh, sorry but I see you laughing a bit so what's going through your well, mind now <laughs> it reminded me of a coach who um, I forget why we couldn't understand what he was saying maybe he had a faulty megaphone but basically he would say things to us and if we didn't understand we would just push harder <laughs> We didn't understand what he was asking, but we pushed harder. Well done, Becky. Well done. <laughs> Other thing is also, 
And um, um, uh, if you are at a club, sorry, I'm just move. I just lean back a bit. If you're at a club um, and if you're a head coach, there's there are not many people you can talk about with rowing in my thoughts and if you're doing well, etc. So that's also nice. If you're at a club, do go to other clubs or do go to other coaches. Bike with those or ask to go in a tinny and listen to what they say while coaching. Mm. That most of the time you hear the same thing, but a different way. You know, that's how it goes. Um, but please do that. Uh, the other thing is, um, um, and even I, and I'm not, I, have, I haven't had any success in that. I always say, if I'm coaching in all those years, uh, when Cruz did well at the end, I always said, um, please come grab a bike or tell me that you're there in the morning, jump in a tinny and join me on my, my thoughts are, oh, it's just very nice having a chat with someone while coaching was pretty boring coaching, uh, two, looking two hours at one crew. That's right. But my goal is to absorb all the knowledge someone else has and to use it if you can. If not, just don't use it, but ask if you not understand what I'm saying or what a coach is saying and see if it works. And hardly, again, I'm not successful in that. Hardly any people bike with me. Yeah. I'm always on my own. How? May I say how stupid that is? It I is. agree. <clears throat> and one other thing is that um, the girls I coached at Melbourne Uni, it's very nice. And it's also now <clears throat> I had one of the um, it's one of the library girls, uh, Alice Arch. Um, and Alice was um, Alice uh, was also coaching, uh, was part of the uh, coaching program. She coached as a coach at her school. The Wesley College in Melbourne, and uh, so I coached the girls uh, on Saturday morning, early always, and um, so from seven till nine, pushed out at seven, and uh, came back at Melbourne Uni at uh, nine. The girls just jumped on the bike and went off to Wesley College because they coached there. Uh, uh, girls, uh, thirty, fourteen quad, cox quad, whatever, and I said to Alice, "So, okay." What are you telling those girls? Mm -hmm. And Alice said, yeah, well, it's not that difficult. I'll tell them the same you tell me in the morning. So I have a goal. I have to. Uh, I have a technique to focus on. And I tell them the same. <laughs> I had to laugh a lot. I said, well, yeah, actually, that's, that's, that's very nice, actually. That's really good. I said, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, actually. Um, you coach me so often now, so I know what to do and what to change. I know what to look at, but actually, so the girls just repeated what I was teaching them back, building on a program in three years. Uh, um, um, so actually, the girls there always yeah, already used my vision and my view on coaching and technique. Um, <clears throat> at the club now, now slowly, I feel that uh, that the club where I work now in Eindhoven in the Netherlands, it's a technical university here small university comparing to the other cities. Um, oh, it's just one university, so with 16,000 people, it's reasonably big actually, but uh, uh, the amount of students in other student cities, this is a small student city. But so now at the club where I work, um, people are forced people to use, well, to, to be aware of what they're saying, what they're telling, what the language they use what the effect is of the words they use, if they really understand what they mean and what they say. Um, and slowly they start to use the vocabulary. Uh, Rowers don't need to hear a lot because they think, oh, it sounds like that word, so let's do this, and it works. So they all start wrong. They all have sort of the same style. Up till then, when I arrived, there were a lot of islands. Uh, these, uh, these coaches, a bunch of coaches, coaches this, and they coach this a bit. So, not my thought, well, how it should be. 
and um, one of the friends uh, now had a coffee uh, two days ago. Uh, sorry, yesterday I was at the Bosbaan, so he came for a coffee and have a chat. And he said, "So yeah, he said so because I've, I've been at the club the last um, COVID nineteen uh, yeah. time. I've been there a lot. There's also an issue COVID nineteen, but anyway, so he said so." I, I, but the whole bunch of coaches are are uh, responsible for taking the middle group out in big boats because once a week I want to have everyone in a big boat. Mm -hmm. Okay, second, third year novice, get in a big boat, do it. It's fun. So, so I said, well, how's it going, the club? Yeah, he said, well, actually, yeah, because he did lightweights and uh, and uh, I did some heavyweights. He said, well, the lightweights and heavyweights they went, they took an eight, and they went out in an eight and from. Stroke one, you saw they are all doing the same. So that means you have different groups, lightweight, heavyweights, different coaches, but they all coach the same style. Getting out in a boat, you don't care, you don't have to train a lot. This is what you learn, this is how it should, because a wrong course, sorry, a wrong stroke, it should feel because you don't see your own wrong stroke. Okay. This is how it should feel. Yes, and, and they just went off. Solid as it is, and they and the guy said, "Well, actually, he said, well, um, even they were surprised in sense of, oh yeah, actually, went right well, actually. Yep, it's not a coincidence anymore because you're all the same. Yeah, yep. yeah, and that's nice. Yeah, it takes three years though to build up <laughs> yeah. the group, even Probably. if you have athletes joining and leaving the group. Yeah, the core." start together and I was going to ask you do you you've worked obviously in several different clubs over your career do you try to start with um a quad or an eight and then in the second year bring new people into the eight and put them into smaller boats or do you do it the other way around good question again All right. um I well look <clears throat> at this club I arrived and they said well what do you want to change? Actually, not much now. Just keep going. Do what you plan to do, and I'll start coaching. Uh, I was responsible for the um, heavyweight man when I first started, and there was a, a, a bigger goal at the end, but uh, for the club. But uh, said so just do what you have planned to do, and I started coaching. And I was involved with boys in a single and boys in a four uh, and in a double and um, I yeah you develop your own technique throughout the years when I look at footage from years ago I think oh I don't know okay they went well but okay so I took a bit of Aussie style a bit of Dutch style and just <laughs> oh I have to write it down there's, there's something also about that but um, um, uh, so I started coaching just doing a group, and uh, but I really find it important that they all start doing the same. So that's why I start. That's why I said, well, you have to. I want everyone to be in a big boat once a week, uh -huh. because then you get uh, sort of uh, get one style, and people. It's fun to do. It's so fun to do being in a big boat. Uh, and uh, joining uh, your clubmates, uh, having fun for, and the, when there's lack of less pressure of, oh, we have to do it really well. This is a really important session. It is. Yeah. But the importance of this session is having fun and rowing together. So, uh, um, coaching, I slowly implemented my style and my thoughts about how boats should go fast or can go fast, uh, rowing in big boats. Um, and uh, having a chat about uh, people after a racing or after a session with the coaches, uh, making them aware of what they said if they were coaching. Uh, as yeah, partly when I was involved in the um, rowing coach uh, for education program at the federation, and, uh, making people aware of what they say and what the impact is or what they say, stuff like that. And people hardly realize the impact of what they say. And I think that's also important. So it means implementing your style, starting small, and then slowly expanding. Rowing together in big boats is really important, I think. Fun to do, but also really important for the club style. 
and uh, uh, making people aware of what the impact is or what they say. That's, that's, that's mainly the thing I do. Um, <clears throat> so it's a mixture of the question you just uh, asked me, uh, rowing in, in an aid and, and moving people on in it. Yes, and, in the, and at a club, people stop, people come, and uh, you race in pairs and sometimes in a single and sometimes in a four. But rowing in a big boat is also fun and it, for a club, at club level, a bit more easy. So um, uh, then you always slowly get rowing style and how it should be. Because people go, people come, but the base is always a sort of base in that big boat. Oh, yeah. If you want to roll, if you want to have an easy session, just blend in. Yeah. Certainly, and if you want to have yeah. a really good seat race, blend in. <coughs> Definitely, uh, yeah. blending is a skill that's worth harnessing and acquiring. Oh, I said to um, um, I said to the girls uh, who are now involved in uh, in the under twenty three. I said, well, uh, because they were really young. Uh, one was, um, she was, she just became eighteen, and I said, look, <clears throat> if you get involved in racing. Yeah, we were driving to the Bosbaan from Eindhoven, had two girls in the car, and uh, yeah, 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 it's really important, SC Trace. Yes, yes, it's, yeah, it's really important. So, what should you do? How should you uh, be, how do you become a fast rower? And that you, how do you be, uh, let that boat go fast? Because you just jump in a boat and you have to row up to the start race for 1250 meters or 1500 meters or maybe 2k whatever they decide to do so how do you win yeah i really push hard so yeah that's really important but <laughs> the most important thing is blending the goal is you jump in the boat and you have to ask yourself after 500 meters how can i make sure that my teammates behind me or in front of me make the boat go fast and if you're a pain in the ass and you're doing your own thing you're done so that's the seat racing is as simple as that that's the easy thing of seat racing the, it is the, the difficult thing of seat racing is the whole mixture in times and switching rows one boat to the other boat but anyway but for a rower how do you make the go go far uh, boat go fast if you just jump in a boat blend in and let the others go fast caused by you then you do well yeah common sense and obviously nothing new for a lot of people listening to this podcast but be aware yeah <clears throat> if you have a composite crew real fast they should do the same have a chat about it before yeah. you go on the water yeah <clears throat> talk about things they should feel stuff that how you what your vocabulary is let them explain what there is. Uh, make two or three things the main goal for that training session. Because you always have to be determined to go on the water with a specific goal. Because else you just pedal up and down the course. You think, oh, yeah, it was a nice pedal. And actually, it's absolutely horrible what you've done because you haven't had any goal at all. You couldn't focus on anything because there was nothing to focus on. Then just bloody wind coming from the left. So you have to have a specific goal, chat about a composite crew, why you went fast and why they went fast, blend in together and see if it works out well. If it works out well, go for a race. If it doesn't work out well, be good friends, have a tea, find another composite partner, and that's it. Being angry to each other doesn't work because in your rowing network, yeah. It's too small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, the last question I want to ask you is about seating crews. You've yeah. worked, obviously, more with crews than single scholars. And tell us a little bit yeah. about what you look for when you're trying to put the right athlete into the right seat. Yeah. Um, always the last, already the last question, because I only have a, I've written down so much, but <laughs> we don't ah, have time. We can That's fine. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. Uh, seating, <clears throat> who to put in specific seat. Um, I have a, just a basic thought about, uh, let's talk about an eight. 
been about a quarter good um, based on my experience in Australia, but about 1,008. <clears throat> good rhythm, basic technique, power. People are able to put the power on the blade because then the boat goes fast. Um, <clears throat> um, consistent rhythm, consistent drive, um, just going down the line from seat one till eight. Now, seat eight, consistent rhythm, full reach at the catch, doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't really need to be the most powerful rower. Mm -hmm. Just good technique, consistent rhythm, that's it. <clears throat> Leave number seven, go to number six, it's the second important, really important for um, following the number eight and making uh, and, and helping the number five, four, and three to, uh, to support the rhythm the six has, copied by the eight. Because if the six is not doing well, you miss the number five, four, and eight, uh, and three in that boat. The, <clears throat> the machine room is out. So number eight and six are most important. Then going up to one, bow seater, um, <clears throat> be able to relax full on, but uh, sort of having a feeling of a good rhythm because there's a lot of happening on, with the bow seater facing towards the stroke <coughs> sorry um, eight six one seven go back to seven support the eight support the eight seater uh, <coughs> being uh, stubborn confident whatever happens being mentally strong helping the eight number eight to maybe also with words, come on, hang on, we're nearly there, keep going, full reach, at the catch, stuff like that, mm -hmm. and then fill up the rest of the boat. Power engine in five, four, and three, and then you're done. Yeah, so eight, six, one, seven. And for a quad? Quad? Four or four, perhaps. <coughs> maybe um, whatever, quad. Uh, yeah, mixture of. I think the three is really, really important for the rhythm, and the four should be able to uh, be consistent. <clears throat> um, the one is uh, the same as in the eight is uh, should be able to to absorb everything that's in front ha happening in front of him or her. Um, um, that's what I had for one year, mm -hmm. but at the end, uh, with the winning quad in two thousand sixteen, with the interstate, um, <clears throat> uh, we uh, we moved to the three to four, and um, um, so we made a small uh, change there. So the three to four, the four to two. Um, and it worked out at the end. It worked out better because that's where we. I just wanted to have the most experienced rower at the in the court on stroke seat, and that was <coughs> um, the model. She was the most senior rower, Alice mm -hmm. McNamara. <coughs> and and my thought is that the others there's a sort of chemistry going on during those years. Alice is a, a legendary rower at Melbourne Uni. Mm. Um, stopped recently and um, enjoying life a different way. But so Alice, at that moment, she was uh, was a double world championship in lightweight court, and yeah. um, she learned the girls, the lightweight girls stuff, a lot of stuff. And uh, in that year, two thousand sixteen, I thought, okay, they all rely on her, and let's make her the stroke sheet on, and let and let's go for it. And they all saw Alice. One, two, three, they also Alice on four and uh, blasted out of the blocks and went well. So a bit of more difficult with a court, but so it means if you're really want to have good technique, it means three has a big impact on, on the stroke seater. Yeah. It's if someone with, yeah, sorry, you go on. Yeah, I you're, agree that three yeah. does have an enormous impact. <laughs> yeah. 
a different role than seven. It's more like six and an eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good one. I'll write it down. Ah, well, one <laughs> trick that I've heard, of, I have seen done because I've experienced it in an eight yeah. is swap the stern pair and the bow pair because yeah. often the skills are quite similar. Yeah. And it's not necessarily bad to no. change things around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Last one, I, saw, <clears throat> I do remember. Um, also be, that's what, uh, what um, Kim Brennan, uh, Kim Crow, then those days came, Kim Crow, I thought, okay, well, Kim is in the eight, and uh, we were training for the head of the Yara. <clears throat> and uh, about you mentioning moving around, seats moving around. And uh, we went out and uh, on the Yara, went into the docks, and, uh, <sighs> and who am I? <laughs> and I, so before we went out, I said, Kim, what do you want me to coach? And do you want me to coach you? And, and she said, oh, hang on. I insist that you coach me. I think, okay, that's a clear message. I'll coach yeah. you. That's a sort of carte blanche for, well, I'll get you. And um, so we went out in docks and I thought, well, Kim was on seven. Lucy Stefan was on, uh, on eight season. <sighs> Didn't work out really well. So mm -hmm. I thought, okay, going, coming into the city from the docks, under uh, uh, Balti Bridge, and I thought, oh, okay, so I just stop, stop. rowing. <laughs> I said, okay, and then we <clears throat> we moved a few rows around, and I moved Kim, and um, and um, um, and at the end, the rhythm was way better, so I moved Kim to five. And another rower, I took one rower uh, from the middle of the boat in my tinny and put her on seven. And so I just moved around a bit on the water. I said, okay. I thought, well, I just, I don't care. I'll just do what I think. What's right? Oh, that's right. Maybe I'm wrong, but okay. And um, and we went on for the last 3K. And I think, oh, yeah. Yeah. Just lean back in a tinny. That's way better. That's good. And actually, that's that's how we raised it in that year and uh, did well. Yeah. Mm. So that was nice. So always, but uh, that's so nice. Of um, and a, a lot of people should know and should learn from that attitude. What I saw at Melbourne Uni, how great and how great the legends are. You that walk around, they were so humble and loyal to the club. <coughs> And that's what I don't see at in the Netherlands, and I haven't seen at many other clubs in the Netherlands. If the girls asked Kim if they knew she was, or Lucy Stefan, or whatever, if they were in the city because they, they train uh, at uh, around Australia uh, or in Canberra or in Penrith now, <clears throat> if the girls knew they were in town, my girls called those rowers to make a crew a sweep boat or a sculling crew whatever but and the girls always said yes the girls in mean the girls like kim or or lucy they always said yes they were always there and they always so that's so important that big well famous rowers in my in my opinion are are so nice and so humble and they have a big heart for the club and they always uh, let you know when they were in, around and so so they could help um <clears throat> uh, so yeah that mentioned also the, 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 the when i asked him well, should i coach you and she said oh yes i insist you coach me I think, okay but i think that's really important people should learn big legends that's fine because we make them legends but yep. don't they just want to be humble and be part of your crew instead of oh yeah oh the holy there's the holy legend coming walking in no, just have a cup of coffee, drink a tea, go out for a row. And they do it. And that's what I don't see at a lot of clubs. No, no, sorry, I don't have time. No, no. Come on. Second year rows, no, no way I'm jumping to those guys in the boat. Like, oh, learn from this. But anyway, yeah. Um, when, have, which yeah. is rowing? Then you have to row with everybody. It's very straightforward. 
Yeah, big box, lovely. Absolutely. And uh, I thought about that also, but anyway. Nice to see you again. Thank it's, you. Uh, normal been, that we sometimes have. That's it. it is, yeah. It's been an absolute it's, delight having you, you here with us. Please tell the listeners where they can connect with you online. Yes, I will. I will. I will uh, forward this uh, interview. Oh, but do you have an email address or a Facebook profile where they can follow you? I have you? a Facebook profile. They can follow me. Yeah, I have a Facebook profile and I have an email address. I think it's really public. Even birchcoku at mech.com is fine with me. All good. Brilliant. Go for it. Yeah. Thank Take you there. very much. Yeah. Hello, and, to Grant. And thank you to all of our listeners. If you could do one thing after listening today, subscribe. Either subscribe on YouTube or go to our website, rowing.chat, and follow the links to get a weekly email that summarizes all of our podcast episodes that have been published that week. And maybe tell a friend. Thank you for being with us. Till next time. Bye-bye.